You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, unafraid witness, and uncommon community. If you have yet to do so, we would love to have you join us for worship and God's Word on Sunday mornings. For more information, visit us online at harvestniagara.ca. Thanks for listening. Amen. Good morning, Harvest. So good to see you this morning. Psalm 23, if you have your Bibles, you can get there right away. If you don't have your Bibles, please stick your hand up and I'll sure be happy to get a copy of God's Word into your hand. This is the most precious gift we could ever give you this morning as it is the very words of God which change the heart as you see the reality of Jesus Christ. Uh, Psalm chapter 23, the most famous chapter in the Bible and for good reason, amen? Most famous chapter in the Bible, uh, shows believers how blessed we are to have a God and a king. Isn't it true that believers are the most blessed people on the planet? Not just for what we have in God, but because of the fact that we have God himself. The presence of God changes everything. The good shepherd changes everything for believers, casting out all fear, comforting us every step of the way, even catapulting us into the next life. God gives us by his presence everything we need for both life and death. Do you believe it this morning, brothers and sisters? Do you believe it? Do you bask in the glory of Jesus Christ? Or do you take all that God is for granted? Do you believe that he is enough, that he truly is enough? Or are you still looking around in the world and wanting more, wanting more, wanting more? Do you take God at his word? Do you actually live out the reality of Psalm 23? It's not just a verses to, some verses to be memorized. This is the practicality of how we're supposed to live this experientially in Jesus Christ. Are you doing that this morning? You're just filling your mind with more stuff and then leaving here, living like everybody else. This is what it means to be a Christian. We have a God who loves us and cares for us. And no one can take that away from us. It's awesome. Sometimes it's hard to believe, isn't it? Let's be honest, we're humans. Sometimes it's hard to believe. Sometimes it's hard to fully live out the truths of Scripture. Yet we fight for it, we pray for it, we ask that God would help us with these things. As we finish off Psalm 23 this morning, verses 5 and 6, we see five more reasons to understand that we are the most blessed people here on earth. David ends his song with a crescendo, uh, helping us uh, capture the full reality of all the blessings of God. Let me read for you verses 5 and 6. A little shift in the text. The first four verses, really, the, the shepherd, the shepherd, the shepherd. We see a picture of a shepherd. Now we see a picture of a homeowner, of a household owner, or a king welcoming us in with open arms, saying, come and join me. Look what he says here. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Blessing number one, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Blessing number two, my cup overflows. Blessing number three, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. How long? All the days of my life. Blessing four, and get this one, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
five mind-boggling realities of my God today. We're just going to get into them because there's so much to, uh, to see and to hear and understand today. Uh, this is the truth of every person who's put their faith in Jesus Christ. Number one is this. He invites me to his eternal feast. Jesus invites me to his eternal feast. Look at verse 5. You, the personal, remember that shift from like the he to the you? Continues on with the personal. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's a picture of God taking the initiative to welcome us into his house. This is a big deal. God, the king of the universe, welcoming us into our house. Yeah, so what? You know, of course he's going to welcome us into our house, his house. I'm pretty special. You hear that? The king welcoming us in. When was the last time you were welcomed into a palace to sit at a royal table? Oh, yeah, me neither. When was the last time you were, were, were approached by the who's who of who's who and said, hey, come and hang out with me? It doesn't happen to many of us, and yet, yet here's the most uh, awesome invitation you'll ever get in your life, better than this little Valentine's card you got from the crush of your life, better than, than the, 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 the invitation of the big party that you expected. This is the invitation of the party of all parties. God is welcoming us into his house to join him, join him at his banqueting table. Just think about that for a moment. We plow through some of these familiar psalms and not even let the full reality hit our heads and our hearts. The king of all kings is preparing a table before me, stopping all enemies in their tracks. When it comes to enemies, David understood enemies. He spent half of his life on the run, and it's almost a picture of, of running for his life and running from his life and no sol solace, no solitude, and yet, and yet all of a sudden stepping in front of him as a king, saying, come, come in here and slamming the door shut and eating a dinner with him at the table. All the enemies at the window are going, I don't want to get that guy. I can't touch him. The full analogy comes from in the uh, olden, the Eastern hospitality, which uh, comes from Eastern hospitality, which guarantees the security of a guest. In the days of old, if you're going to invite someone into your house, part of the onus on you is to protect them and to make sure that nobody touches them. It's a beautiful picture of how God welcomes those who are his through Jesus Christ. The table here is a picture of bounty picture a Thanksgiving table or a Christmas table filled to the gills with food. This is a table that God prepares for us. Preparation shows the foresight and care. God is not flipping or he's not random. He's preparing for us. For me, that's the personal part of things. In the presence of my enemies, they are never far off, but they are powerless to touch us in the presence of our great host. It's almost a picture. Remember the kid in the schoolyard that would get bullied and all of a sudden the principal would come out and all the, the bullying and the principal comes out, puts his arm around him and takes him to the inside and all the bullies are kind of stopped on their tracks. There's nothing they could do. Was well, taking a step further than the principal taking that kid in and sharing his lunch with him. It's an amazing truth for us. Reality is, if you're going to live for Christ, there are going to be enemies Unfortunately, the whole world isn't going to love us. Why? Not because of us, because of Jesus Christ. You've seen it before. You're a great guy until you tell them, for me, it's, what do you do? Conversation stopper almost every time. <laughs> the same for you. It's all good until they find out who you serve and what happens. You all of a sudden find yourself with enemies, right? 
And people don't always like you anymore. In fact, Jesus told us in John 15, he said, hey, you're going to live for Christ. Guess what? The world is not going to actually love you. It's going to hate you because of me. And just like I was persecuted, you'll be persecuted. There's enemies in life. The enemy, Satan, is looking to crush you every step of the way. But here's where it's at. In the midst of all the, all the, the enemies and, the, and the, the, the people trying to take you down, get this. Jesus doesn't just promise to protect his own. He promises a bounty of blessing to satisfy your every need and ultimately rub it in the faces of your enemies. I love that picture. Sweet justice. Do you realize that even if the enemies are nipping at your tail every day of your life, even if you're feeling the overwhelming attack of the enemy today, there is still bounty for you because of God? At any moment, you can run into the house of the Lord in the present and feast on his word and have everything you need to sustain yourself in the presence of your enemies. Look at even the list of fruit that God puts on the table in Galatians chapter 5. You know, we don't like fruit, but fruit's good for us, right? The fruit of the Spirit, and, and every day, no matter how intense the, the enemy comes at you, no matter how, how hard the war goes, get this, you have fruit in front of you, you have love right in front of you to feast upon, you have joy. You have peace, you have patience, you have kindness, you have goodness, you have faithfulness, you have gentleness, you have self-control. Some of the fruit of the spirit that God gives to his in the midst of the battle, these are things that money can't buy and Satan can't destroy. These are things that satisfy your soul that the enemy can't steal. In the midst of the war, God invites us to come in and feast on his word and says that you'll have a bounty You have a bounty of spiritual blessings in those times. But understand this, too. It's also a picture of another invitation that you've already received if you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And that is to the wedding feast of all feasts. It's the marriage supper of the Lamb. Revelation 19, you're invited, if you're saved, with your salvation came the Holy Spirit. It also came this invitation that no one can take away from you, and that one day you're going to share in the marriage supper of the Lamb with God himself, and guess where the enemies are going to be? They're not going to be there with you. Every enemy you've had at that point is going to be destroyed. The the enemy is gone, and you're going to eat in peace at the family gathering of all family gatherings with family members you've never met before. And it is going to be the celebration of all celebrations. I, for one, can't wait for that one. No more looking over your shoulder. No more wondering. It's freedom and joy and peace. You don't believe that we're the most blessed people on earth. Look at this. He invites me to his eternal feast. I could preach a full sermon on each of these, but I'm not going to just to be faithful to the passage today. Look at number two. His anointing pampers my soul. Here's a second blessing. You anoint my head with oil. You anoint my head with oil. What does this mean? Anointing is a common theme in the Bible. Shepherds anointed the heads of their sheep to soothe the scratches and wounds. Priests got an anointing that set them apart and consecrated them for the work of the Lord. Kings at their consummation, got their crown on, you know, received a, an anointing. The believer is anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit, sealing us as God's own. Anointing is a common theme. 
The theme of uh, anointing one's head with oil is, is again common in the biblical imagery and the biblical concept of a gracious host welcoming someone into his home. Ancient days of someone coming to the home, oil and, and was, a, was a, something that spoke of joy and prosperity. Since olives and grapes took time to grow and oil and wine required time to prepare and when those things were present, it was almost like there was a time of prosperity and a time of joy. And in periods of turmoil and war, the oil was not there. Grapes were not grown. Land was barren. In Palestine, where the sun is so hot, it would crack the skin of the traveler and the parch the throat. And so what would happen when they get to someone's house, they put oil on the cracked face and, and soothe their cracked face. They give them wine to soothe their throat. And it's just a picture of how God pampers his children. With, with not, he, God's just not like, hey, come in here, kid. Get at the table. You're going to eat. It's more of a come in and let me pamper your soul and take care of you as a Loving father cares for uh, their children. David thanks God in Psalms for the wine that gladdens his heart and for the oil that makes his face shine. Here's the truth. God pulls out all the stops for us. It's, it's like you college kids who go home for your first Thanksgiving and mom all of a sudden pulls out all the stops. That's what God does for us. It's amazing. I love the picture of a shepherd and anointing his sheep with oil to cover their wounds. Do you realize that God just doesn't protect us, but he heals our wounds? The gracious care of God heals our wounds. Psalm 56. He cares so deeply for us, he captures our tears in a bottle, proverbially. He sits beside our bed and counts our tossings and and that's how deeply he cares for us, but yet God just doesn't care for us in the sense of a parent caring for a child. Sometimes we can't do anything about their pain. Here's what God can do when he anoints our heads with oil. This is the healing oil of the Lord that soothes the very depths of our souls and oftentimes our pain. Physically, we have doctors in our country, and we're so thrilled to have doctors, but doctors, I've come to learn, make educated guesses, and they make all the right prescriptions, but doctors can't heal us. Who does? God heals us. Jehovah, Rapha, the healer, Psalm 103, he heals all our diseases. It's a picture of God soothing us and healing our diseases, but even deeper than the physical wounds we have, the anointing of the Lord heals, heals the deepest wounds of our soul. Those are the wounds we battle more than the physical wounds, the wounds that we can't shake, the wounds of rejection, the wounds of discouragement and despair, the wounds of loneliness. Who soothes those things? The hosts welcoming us in soothes those things. And one day we know that there will be a place, there will be a time when there will be no more wounds where the healing anointing of the Lord will completely cover us from head to toe. You don't believe that we're the most blessed people on earth. His anointing pampers my soul. Here's number three. His goodness constantly floods my life. Again, a picture of coming to somebody's house and like an overzealous waiter at a restaurant. You know those ones where you take a sip and right away you take a sip and there's already more water in your cup. You're like, hold on, buddy. I just want to drink my water. 
Sort of a picture of God, except in the great sense, God bountifully fills our cups to overflowing. Everything you need in life, every blessing you have is a result of the overflowing goodness of the Lord. Even those who don't know God as their Lord and Savior are experience a glimpse of it in the common grace that God has given man. The ability to think and to live and to enjoy friendships. And yet as believers, here's the truth. Our cups are always overflowing with the goodness of the Lord. And it overflows for us. It overflows for us until the day that we die. I love this image, an object lesson. Don't do these often, but it's just so clear here. Here's a picture of our lives and our little cups. Here's a picture of our little cups, our little souls. And here's what God does he, as we wake up every morning because he is so good to us and because he loves us because the good shepherd cares for us. Here's what he does for us every morning. He fills our cups to overflowing and it just keeps coming and it keeps coming. This is the blessing of the Lord. Look at that, this never stops. And already look at this picture and it's about a half done. And yet here's the reality, you know when this picture is done? Never. It just keeps coming and coming and coming. We often forget, oh God, I don't have anything, I need more, God. Or you get our, our eyes focused on other things and, and God's like, oh, you silly child, look, I am just here dumping my blessing upon you. Hold your cup up, I want to fill it. A good shepherd gives us everything that we need. What are some of the overflowing blessings of the Lord? They're constant in Scripture. Let me give you four of them this morning. Let me give you four of them. Bible talks about cups and talks about filling. Here's the greatest, the greatest blessing we can have as believers. Psalm 116, verse 13. I will lift the cup up, the cup of salvation, and call upon the name of the Lord. Here's the reality. As, as human beings, our salvation cups are completely empty without Jesus Christ. We are sinners every single day of our lives. The thoughts that we think, the dispositions of our heart, the attitudes of our mind, and the things that we do, we're sinners. And we try so hard to fill up our cup. Well, I'm going to do what's right today. I'm going to do what's right. Or I'm going to earn my way to heaven. Reality is, without Jesus filling that cup, it's empty. Yet the moment we turn to Jesus by, through faith and repentance, say, God, I can't fill my cup. It's exhausting. I've tried. I can't measure up to your standards. Would you fill my cup for me? Here's the reality. He brings out that jug, and he just starts dumping his blessing of salvation in your life. And that blessing, that cup of salvation, never becomes empty. You can't walk away from the Lord if you're saved. You can't lose salvation if you're saved. Perseverance of the saints. Well, I'm just going to drink, and it's going to be gone. It'll never be gone. The Lord's blessing of salvation Amazing, isn't it? Here's another reality that God blesses us with if we're saved today, if we are in him. Not just salvation within silencing all the guilt and all the shame of our hearts. Ephesians 5, 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for this is debauchery, but get this, be filled with the Spirit. God gives us his Holy Spirit. John 14 and John 16, he, he fills us, comes with filling with his Holy Spirit. A blessing of the Lord that will never run dry to lead us and guide us to give us everything we need in life. Romans 15, 13, another one. May the God of hope fill you 
with all joy and peace in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit may abound in hope. Jesus fills our cups with hope and joy and peace. Oh, the world longs for these things and tries to find these things. And as believers, we have our cups full every day. We just have to live it. Romans 5, 5, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Hope, love, Holy Spirit, this is the overflowing blessing of the Lord that, that, that gives us strength for another day and joy in the midst of gloom. We will never have anything We'll never come up into a situation where we won't have what we need because of Jesus Christ. He overflows our cups. The reality of Jesus, he has everything we need. He, keep, he just keeps coming. He keeps coming. Try to come up with a parallel of this in our own everyday experience, and I just I can't find it, except here's how we travel in our home. My wife generally gets everything ready for our family, and I blow in at the last minute and pack my two things, my phone and my wallet, and we head out on a trip, and generally every time we get on a trip, we'll get halfway down the road like, oh, man, we forgot, and my wife will be like, no, we didn't. <laughs> Bag number one comes from underneath the driver's seat, and I'm like, wow, you remember that? And like a couple minutes later, you know, like, oh, man, I bet you we forgot, and she's like, uh-uh, Zach. Cue the back seat, pull something out from the back seat. And I'm like, wow, you brought everything. She's like, I told you, all you have to do is bring your toiletries. And I'm always like, really, my toiletries? <laughs> Did you say that? So we forget one thing mostly when we travel, my toiletries. But here's the reality. On this trip of life, God doesn't even ask us to pack our own toiletries. It's like, oh, man, I need. Man, I forgot. Stick your cup up. Let me fill it to overflowing. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. God has given us every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ. Really? And How come sometimes I don't see it? How come sometimes I don't feel it? How come sometimes I can look around and it seems like everybody else has a full cup and mine's half empty? You know what the reality is there? It's not that God isn't doing this stuff. It's not that God has forgotten you or left you. Well, the reality is we're oftentimes as believers, like a baby in the night screaming for a bottle and the parents are holding that baby going, I got it here, just stop screaming and open your mouth. Been their parents trying to shove that bottle in and the kids so out of sorts because they need, they need, they need. And the parents, and it's finally when the child calms down because they've cried themselves out and the bottle goes in and they're like, ah, why don't I just stop and look in the first place? This is how God blesses us. Every resource he's given us, if we'd stop, screaming and just open our mouths to be fed, we'll find that the cup overflows in the good times. In the good times, we get so preoccupied, it's so good, we forget about God, but every ounce of every goodness you have in your life comes from one place, it comes from the Lord. Every loving relationship you have comes from the Lord. Every day that you live, that's like, that was a good day. You know where it comes from? It comes from God. Every financial resource you have comes from God. Your church family comes from God. Every good thing comes from the Lord. 
Your cup overflows. Take a look at your life. Take a look at your life. It doesn't matter who you are, where you came from this morning. Your cup overflows. If we stop looking at everybody else's cup and look at our cup, it's full. In the hard times, in the hard times, our cups overflow. The days you run out of physical energy and emotional resources and wisdom for what's ahead, you can't do it, it's not going well, you can't see the next step, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. You know what your job is? Your job is to hold up your cup. That's it. God's job is to fill it. Promises us in Psalm 23 that we hold up our cup, he will fill it. Salvation and hope and love and joy and peace, that's really all we need. And yet God has given us so much more. Here's what Annie Johnson Flint says. His love has no limit. His grave has no measure. His power has no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus Christ, he giveth and he giveth and he giveth again. just a matter of us of stopping and taking Psalm 23 to heart. And instead of complaining, rejoicing, instead of looking for more blessings, basking in what God's already given us, we are the most blessed people on the planet. Here's number four. His favor overshadows my days. Look at this. Surely goodness and mercy. When I was a kid, I always think, who's Surely. Surely, for sure, without a doubt, can't deny it, can't juke it, can't run away from it. You can't deke God on these things. You know what's going to follow you all the days of your life? Goodness and mercy. They're going to follow you all the days of your life. Every minute, every second of every minute, of every hour, of every day, of every year, of every decade, you can be assured of two things in your life, goodness and mercy the goodness and mercy of the Lord following you, shadowing you, stalking you, because God loves you that much. This idea of goodness is the covenantal love of God. It's, it's the goodness of God that is really best described as his loyalty towards you more than your loyalty towards him. The faithfulness of God has said, We've been on the other side of disloyalty. We know what that feels like. That's why we call dogs man's best friend. But here's the truth. The dogs are not our best friends. God is the only one who will never leave us or forsake us. God is the only one who will truly be loyal to the very end because of his love for us, the length of our days. Here's what mercy is. Mercy is deliverance from the judgment that I deserve. Mercy is a deliverance from the judgment that I deserve every single day of your life. You know what you do? You do things that cause you to deserve the judgment of the Lord. And if you have Jesus, the reality is he chooses to not judge you because of his mercy for you. Left our own devices, we would run from God. We'd rebel uh, against God every single day. And yet here's what the good shepherd does in his mercy. He goes to seek the one sheep that is lost to ensure that they're never lost forever. The mercy of the Lord. Better than gold. 
this sentence may read this, only goodness and mercy. Only goodness and mercy, like the front and back of your shirt. You, you, can't, you can't shake it. Every morning when you wake up and you put your arms up in the air to get your spiritual clothes on, you know what God puts on you? He puts on the shirt of goodness and mercy. Goodness on the front, mercy on the back, and you can't shake that shirt. You can't run away from that shirt. It just is what it is. It's almost like the movie stars who have their little aids with them everywhere. You have the little aids of God's mercy and God's goodness all the days of your life, consistent and certain. Just like the sun will come up every morning, so the sun's favor will shine on his own every single day of your life. Doesn't take a day off. You can't fly under his radar. His blessings abound. Here's what Spurgeon says. Goodness and mercy. The black days as well as the bright days. The days of fasting as well as the days of feasting. The dreary days of winter as well as the bright days of summer. Goodness supplies our needs and mercy blots out our sins. Goodness and mercy. Sometimes it's not easy to see in the moment, is it? How can this be good? How can this be profitable? How can, how can this be God's mercy? And even at the young age of 43, I can look over my last 43 years, and man, you look over every stage of life, and there's been some joyous ones that, man, those are the Facebook moments you don't want to forget. There's also been some, some, some of those seasons where you don't just not want them on Facebook, you want them removed from your hard drive forever. But, but get this, in the midst of all of those things, I can so clearly see God's hand of goodness and so God's hand of mercy in my life. Every move we've made, he's been with us. Every hard season, the Footprints poem, he's truly carried us at the time. You're like, where is he? How come Footprints isn't true for me? You look back, you're like, ah, it was true. His goodness and his mercy. Maybe it didn't work out the way you thought it would, or the way you wrote up your own life plan, but you can be assured of this, goodness and mercy. Maybe it did turn out in the way you thought it would, the way you did write it up, and you're like, oh, look at me, look at it. It's not you, it's the goodness and mercy of the Lord. These are the twin promises that stand taller than the twin towers and can never be taken down by the enemy. Awesome realities, five mind-boggling truths of how blessed we are as believers. Here's the last one. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Please don't tell me that sentence doesn't do something in your soul. If you can just gloss over that sentence and not, not, not be like, oh, I can't wait. Like a kid waiting for a vacation then. Maybe you've missed it. Think about this. There's a lot of places we can dwell in this world. A lot of places we could choose to make home, but none of them compare to the eternal home that we have coming for us, the, the future place of eternal bliss. I don't know about you, but I love my home. I love my dwelling. It's sort of that place of solace, a place of solitude, the place where you can get there and kind of barricade yourself in and just, and just, just feel feel like this is this is my this is this is my this is my family ah you know that, that feeling get this that's a temporal thing 
But the reality is there's an eternal, eternal dwelling, an eternal home that's going to be far greater than ever, any temporal home. And, and the moment you receive Jesus, he books your reservation, and that'll never be lost, that can never be taken away from you. Good shepherd doesn't just display eternal care for your life every step of the journey, but he promises all these things in Psalm 23 and heaven too. Amazing. What could be better? The eternal hope of heaven. I look at this, to dwell in the house of the Lord forever and have true security and true sol- solitude of the heart and true peace. And, and I trade, I guarantee you, I trade in my cars, I trade in my house. I trade in any, any, any good thing. I trade it all in for the hope of heaven. I love the fact that Dwelling in the house of the Lord forever is not even about my ability. It's about the goodness of the good shepherd. Reserve your spot. Can never be taken away from you. When Ruth and I got married uh, a lot of years ago now, I was so excited to um, book one of the, I thought one of the nicest places in Montreal for our first night. Budget only allowed for one night, but it was going to be a good night. (laughs) And it was uh, Pierre du something or other in French. And it was like this old Victorian place. Ruth loves the Victorian places with, you know, the, the big the beds with like the, the great big pillars on each bed and the canopy kind of thing. And I was so excited. I was going to surprise her. And so I did all my research and I found all the places I navigated and how far I was going to drive. And I was pumped. And, and I thought, finally, I did something super romantic that's going to blow her away. Like four days before my wedding, I get this phone call on my, uh, on my cell phone, and it was um, this, this, like, Bonjour, Monsieur Malenot. <laughs> I tried my hardest to figure out who it was, and, and he, through his broken English and my bad French, I figured out it was the guy from the, the, the hotel saying, you know, there's, this, there's been a double booking, and you have no room on Saturday night. <laughs> and I was like, Impossible. Like, let me speak slowly because you're French, but this is my wedding night. (laughs) You can't do that. He's like, I speak French. (laughs) You know, I can understand. He made some smart comment. I'm like, you can't do that. And he's like, too bad. We did. Well, do I get a refund? Do I get a, nope, you figure something else out, basically is what he told me. And I'm like, to me, that devastating. It all worked out, of course. It turned out to be wonderful and fantastic and all the things you expect a wedding night to be. And here's the reality. If you're a believer, you'll never get that phone call from heaven. You'll never get that. But I was banking on this. All my hopes were on this. Is it the Lord? Do bad for you. You'll never get that with, 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 with Jesus, with God. He has assured us as believers, this is the eternal hope of believers, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is amazing. And better than a banquet is I shall dwell, I will live. This is going to be my home. It's not going to have my name on the door. It's going to have the Lord's name on the door, and it's going to be forever. In fact, John 14 tells us that, that the Father's on the throne. And what's Jesus doing? He's at the right hand of the Father. One of the things he's doing, John 14, he's preparing a place for us. 
He's anticipating our, our arrival. He knows the date. He knows the hour. And he's busy getting things ready for us for our new home. The new heaven and the new earth, which we're going to enjoy forever. The old paradise, it's gone. The, the, old, the old earth, it's gone, gives way, to, gives way to paradise. And you're invited and assured of a spot. You want to know how great heaven is? Flip at the back of your Bible uh, someday to, to this week to Revelation chapters 21 and 22. You think, oh, it's not a big deal. I'd rather have all the things of earth and the things of heaven. Eh, you would not. Things of this earth are going to fade and perish and thieves can break in and steal. Heaven is a guarantee. Heaven is more spectacular than our little brains can comprehend. It's better than a five-star resort. It's nothing like even those mansions you see on the lifestyles of the rich and famous. Here's what heaven is. It's a place where God is on the throne, Revelation 21, and a place where he's going to wipe away every tear and every heartache, where he's going to erase death even from our vocabularies. No more funerals, no more mourning, no more crying, none of those things. The glory of God is going to reign like we've never seen before. Revelation 21 is just trying to put in earthly terms that we can't comprehend. And so it's a picture of this city with these great big gates like Jerusalem. And the gates are like none other than we've seen. All kinds of jewels and the most precious jewels are building these gates. Breathtaking indescribable. And yet the greatest thing about heaven is not the gold streets and all the things of precious jewels is the fact of this, Revelation 22, that Jesus is going to be there. And we're going to finally not just try and picture who Jesus is in our minds, we're actually going to see him and behold him and feast our eyes on the one who is the most glorious in the whole universe. The greatest reality of heaven is that Christ will be there to see face to face. We'll meet our good shepherd. We know he's there. Assured us in our hearts, we've seen his hand, but we will finally see his face. The curse is gone. And Jesus will light up heaven and light up our lives forever. Verse 6 of chapter 22, this is trustworthy and true. It doesn't matter if you don't even believe it, it's true. Get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, the Lord Jesus Christ forever. If your heaven has a, is a picture of all kinds of good things and it misses Jesus, you've got the wrong idea of heaven in your heart. If you have this wonderful picture of having a family reunion, this eternal picnic with sunny skies, and there is no Jesus in there, you've missed out on the whole point of salvation. It's Jesus Christ we long for. He's the difference maker. He's the one that puts us in, gets us into heaven. He's the one that gives us all the spiritual blessings on earth, but he's the one who fulfills all the promises of God that are only yet complete once we see him in heaven. Yes, there's going to be some reunions that we're looking forward to. Amen, I can't wait for those things too. But they're nothing in comparison to finally beholding and being with and touching and feeling and being in the presence of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus that brings us all of our satisfaction and all of our security. He is the ultimate hope of life and death. For the unbeliever, this is simply just wishful thinking. It's amazing to me how people can reject God their whole lives here on earth, curse him, use his name in vain, and then somehow at the funeral think that I'm going to be in heaven. 
It just doesn't work that way. To experience the eternal reality of God, it, it, it's, it's choose God, choose Jesus here in life. You get the rewards of heaven. Reject Jesus. And, and yes, it's partly God's wrath poured upon you. It's partly your own decision that you choose to reject him here on earth. And you will be experiencing that same distance forever and ever and ever in a place called hell. But it's not because God didn't send his son to die for your sins. It's because you've willingly chosen to reject him here on earth and run life in your way, in your path. So if that's you this morning, I don't just encourage you, I beg of you to take this seriously and, and long for the greater reality of your life, eternity with Jesus. This is what you're created for. This is what, you're, what God has designed you for, but he's left the choice to you. If this is you this morning and you know all about God but have never turned to Jesus... Today is the day that you get your invitation, that, that, that you seal the deal of your eternal fate and you turn to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you've already done that today, this is the eternal hope of believers. This is what we live for. This is what we long for. This is our reality that will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Object lesson Sunday because it just came fast and furious this week. But, but, but think about this. Eternity. We get to live with God for all of eternity. Dave, can you help me with this? Go on this side. So you think about this. No matter how long you live, eternity is a long time. So grab the other end of that. If you, you, know, if you live till, we'll go by centimeters, not inches in this. But if you live till, till 20, like there's the, there's the extent of your life right there. You know, if you were lived to the ripe old age of 43 as I am, like there's the, the extent of your life right there, 40, 43. That's the extent of your life. If you happen to live to 80, which is a pretty good ripe old age, don't you think? Right there. Someone in our church just buried their grandmother uh, last week to live to 100. I doubt any of us will live to 100. I for sure won't live to 100. There it is right there. So there's the span of our life. But then start walking, Dave. But look at this. We get to dwell in the house of the Lord. Like this thing just keeps going and going and going forever. And it never stops. Isn't that sweet? And so now we as believers, we don't live for it. Now it's broken. That's okay. I'm, I'm no handyman. I only use it for stuff like this anyways. I truly cut twice and go to the hardware store four times. <laughs> but the point is this. We don't live for that little span of our lifetime. We live for the eternal aspect. We live forever and ever and ever. This is what we dream about and long for and hope for. It's eternity, brothers and sisters. It's what God's created us for, and that's what God promises to us as our good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Even though, even though we do walk through the valley, the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for he is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I have the immense privilege of dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. 
Those of you at the beginning of this sermon that thought, we're not the most blessed people on earth, do you still think that? Believers, we're the most blessed people on earth. Those of you who are like, yeah, yeah, we're blessed, but there is no buts. We have God. We have Jesus Christ. We are blessed. We have everything we need for life and for death. The Lord is my shepherd. I pray you'll never read this passage again with the glib, superficial, let's get to deeper things. This is the greatest hope we have as believers, Psalm 23. Let me pray. Father, what can we say to the eternal realities we've just finished studying in Psalm 23? Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for your spirit, which illuminates our minds and hearts. Oh, God, may every person in this place today, regardless of where they are at in life, may they experience again the fullness of the blessings of our God. Thank you, Father, for filling us to overflowing. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, God for giving us the assurance of your presence forever and ever. Now, God, help us to live like this is true. Help us to not just run out of here now and go back to normal, but help us to live like this is true. Help us to live for you and for eternal things more than the things of this earth. And the hard times come, God, give us faith. We don't have it in ourselves. Give us faith to trust that you're there. When the good times, when the cups are seen, we know the cups are overflowing. God, help us to give you all the glory and all the credit. Lead us on, oh God. Lead us on. We thank you that this life is really nothing to do with us. We're dumb sheep. But thank you, Father, that you have stepped in and rescued us and continue to rescue us. You lead us. You care for us. You provide for us. You bless us. Oh, how you bless us. Thank you, Father. May these truths sink to the depths of our souls and cause us to erupt in praise to you. In Jesus' name.